Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. feel like God has spoken to my heart a few weeks back when pastor was ministering man something he said spoke this into my spirit and uh, it just won't leave so I feel like tonight I need to do something about it and I have been for the last few weeks I've been praying and seeking God that God would lead me amen in the direction that he wanted me to go tonight amen and not knowing really what God was going to do with it amen in Exodus chapter number 16 starting at verse number 32 16 32 and through 34 and Moses said this is the thing which the Lord commanded the omer of it to be kept for your generations that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt and Moses said unto Aaron take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations as the Lord commanded Moses Hallelujah. So Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. Amen. Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your anointing and your presence is in this house. Asking you, Lord, to sweep over our souls tonight. Realizing, Lord, that I'm in need tonight. God, we need to feel your presence. We need to feel after you tonight. If happily, we might find you, God. Move tonight, anoint minds, and bring them together, God, for the good of your kingdom. Lord, help me, God, tonight. Anoint me. Help me, Jesus, I pray. In the holy name of Jesus, amen and amen. And you can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. As the Lord spoke to me, I began to be troubled about where we're at in this generation. And the word that he spoke to me was, I want to speak on this subject, manna for the next generation. Manna for the next generation. He spoke to me while pastor was preaching one night, and he said, Every generation ought to have some manna to lay back. And that really began to work on me. And I, I can tell you that my heart's been heavy. As I began to study and pray about this. That God began to deal with me on it. Because when I look back from the beginning of time. There has always been a fear. Of possibly losing part of of uh, inheritance or heritage, can I say, or the remembrance 
of something that has happened in the past. So we know the story that, you know, there was an ark and there was some things put in there. And we'll get to that later and uh, just kind of put that out there so a remembrance. But he said, he told Moses, he said, I want you to put that, build that ark and I want you to put the, put that in there and I want you to save it for the next generation. I want Aaron's generation to see this. Amen. So Exodus 17, 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Here we go. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Just to show you that the Lord says, I want you to write this down. And I want you to rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. Because Amalek, I am going to destroy. And I'm going to take their name out to where you're not going to remember it anymore. And so Moses is dealt with twice real quick here to do something about the past that it's not forgotten. He, he writes it down. He is supposed to put this uh, manna up and lay it before the Lord. Notice whose keeping he puts it in. He puts it in the hands of the Lord. Amen to be kept. And I guess maybe as I begin to read and, and study one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Amen. I want to read Judges 2 and 10. One of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them. Which knew not. I don't know whether that strikes you or not. But it began to work upon me. There was a generation. Amen. After them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. What a sad thing that after a trip from the wilderness to Canaan, and after all of these great things that God had done, and even after he's told Moses, I want you to put the manna in there, and we're going to lay it up before the Lord, and, and, and then he tells him to write this down in a book of remembrance that Amalek is going to be, amen, destroyed and I'm going to put them out of the remembrance uh, from under heaven. And now here we are, amen, in judges and a people and a generation that knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done. I don't know whether that bothers you or not, but it began to bother me when I thought, Sister McGee, there could be a generation that come after us that could forget all about God and all about what God had done in our midst. And I'm not wanting that to happen, church. And if I've got anything to do with it, it's not going to happen. Hallelujah. I'm worried about our generation like this if we don't do something fast. I'm worried about our generation coming up. If they are not like this, it will surprise me. 
Amen. But if we're going to do something about it, church, we're going to have to do it fast. Time is growing short. And I'm going to preach tonight on the spiritual side of manna, if you will allow. The spiritually, what are we going to lay up for the next generation? That they may know of his wonderful works. I want to ask you that question again, and I want you to remember it tonight. Spiritually, what are we going to lay up for the next generation that they may know his wonderful works? I began to think of all of the things that I have seen God do in my generation. I began to think of my childhood years of coming up in my parents' home and the things that I had seen God do and the wonderful works that he had done. And I was sitting even last or laying last night in the bed and I began to contemplate in my home as just a child, uh, maybe five, six years old, sitting on the chair. My daddy was sitting in the chair and I'm sitting on the arm of the chair. And my daddy has the Bible opened and he began to read the Word of God. And after a while, he would say, he would give me a Bible and he'd say, Son, you open it up to certain, certain scripture and you began to read. And I began to read in that. And I remember many a time, and you may not believe this, and I don't, no matter if you do or not, I was there and I seen and I know. Amen, I can remember Daddy reading the Word of God and the power of God would come down in that living room of our house. Amen, with an old wood stove set there, burnt coal at the night and wood of the day. And I remember Daddy sat there and all at once he began to speak in that heavenly language. And I'd look down at Daddy's hands and beat it up all over it. it was just like diamonds. I don't know whether you've ever heard of it or not, but there was oil that would come on daddy's hands and whenever that oil would come on his hands he could pray and people were healed by that oil it was a God thing it was not olive oil but it shined like diamonds I remember sitting close to him and even praying myself that that would happen to me I remember one night sitting there on daddy's arm amen and that oil began to come up on my own hands and it was like, wow, man, I don't know about this, you know. And I can only, that's the only time that ever happened to me. But what I'm trying to tell you, I would like to write that down as a memorial for my generation that we not lose what God has got for the church. I remember being gotten up a lot of times the wee hours of the morning and God would speak to dad and mom tell them somebody was sick they'd come and get us boys out of bed and say we gotta go someplace man just leave us here no you, you're going with us and they'd take us and I've seen a lot of times that oil just come he didn't take oil Hey man, I remember the oil would come on his hands and when he touched them they were healed just like that Come on, church. I'm talking about something that is real. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't only real back then. But I began to pray on my bed last night. I said, God, if you could do it when I was a boy, you can still do it today. 
You can still give me the oil that dad and mama had. I don't want, amen, this thing to fall dead right where it's at. I want my generation that's coming up after me to see the same thing that this young man seen. Those early days, couldn't get enough church. You know, Sunday morning and Thursday night just wasn't enough. And in between time, we'd get together in homes and we'd start singing the songs of Zion. There ain't no preaching. We didn't, we didn't have a preacher. Daddy didn't claim to be a preacher. He'd read a little bit of the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen him many a time. And just in those prayer meetings, I've seen the oil show up. I remember one night especially that everybody's seen that oil and they said, why can't all of us have that? And we prayed that night and almost everybody in there got that oil on their hands. Come on. Now, if it can happen back in my day, God is still the same. The Bible said there is no shadow of turning him. him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same oil that was in is still good tonight. Oh, we got to be willing to pay the price for the oil, for the anointing. Glory. What are we going to lay up? Yeah, it happened one time. Yeah, and it's, it's good that I could write it down in a book that my son could read what happened. Yeah, that my daddy, you know, my daddy, he received it, but he was just a kid, and he's not received it since. What a testimony. And I began to worry in my bed last night, Lord, where am I? If, if I could receive it as a child, why now can I not receive it as an adult? God, I've been walking with you since I was nine years old. I threw failures. Come on. Not always been perfect. Come on. Failed and sinned. Fell and come short of the glory of God. But I'm going to tell you something. That thing that was real when I was a kid is still real tonight. But I've got to be willing to pay the price to get it. Church, we got to be willing to pay the price to get these things. Hallelujah. Psalm 78. I got a lot of scripture tonight. Psalm 78, verse 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Cline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have, now listen, which we have heard and known and her fathers told us we will not hide them from their children shewing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done you hear that we are without excuse in other words can I just put that in there between verse 3 and 4 that we are without excuse because we have heard we have known, come on, our fathers, come on, the generation before us has told us. And he said, I'm not going to hide it from them, but I want to eschew it to the next generation. To come, the praises of the Lord, his strength, 
his wonderful works that he had done. I want it to be carried on. I, I don't want it to be something that is dead and never remembered anymore, but I want it to be put down in the book of remembrance. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known. Come on. Make them, hey, church, we've got a job that we've got to make some things known to our children. Come on. It should not be that they have to pick up the archive of history and look back and see what's done. What is happening in the apostolic church ought to be the same thing that happened in the book of Acts. And even more now, as we see the day approaching, we ought to be at a greater place to receive it now than then. Oh, verse 6, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. Come on, talking about the little ones now, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know, I, I began to get stirred this week. Because I don't want our generation, the next generation coming up after us, to not hear of the mighty works of the God. I want them to know that there are still healings and miracles and signs and wonders. I don't want to ever let us forget First Apostolic Church as we was Kingsburg Church. I want us to remember the things that God done in our midst. I don't want to ever let us forget that on a Tuesday night, as we used to have church, amen, that there was a sister, Sister Christmas, come through the prayer line that night on a Tuesday night. It wasn't on a Sunday morning. It was not on a Sunday night, Brother Terry, but she come through the prayer line, and we prayed for her. Amen. She had cirrhosis of the liver, never drank a day in her life, but because of multiple births, several children, this thing happens, the doctor said. They were checking her enzymes every week. She was on medicine, and she was getting weaker. I'm going to tell you, she come through the prayer line that night, and I remember we anointed. I didn't do it alone. Come on, that's why I like to have people anoint with me. I don't want to receive any glory. Let all the glory be given to God. Come on, let him receive the glory. And we prayed for her that night. The next day was a doctor's appointment she told us the story a man said she went to the doctor and he checked her enzymes and said I don't know what happened between now and the last time you was here but you don't have cirrhosis of the liver anymore it's God come on church let's not let the miracles of our day die in this day and age to the next generation we need to shout it to the voice on the housetop remember a time I'm not sure it wasn't even since we've moved to town I think it was Sister Christmas another miracle in her life we were in the hospital out here at the hospital they took her out here at the emergency room and she looked at us she said I don't want to die yet I don't want to die her heart man 
So they sent her to Evansville. By the time Sister McGinn and I got to Evansville and walked in, amen, to intensive care, something had already happened. And she says, I'm feeling good. The doctors told her after she got out of the hospital, said very few women live to tell the story today that you can tell. Because your enzymes, your, uh, it was her heart, her potassium, her potassium was so high that said nine out of ten people would die, would be gone low, okay, whatever. Anyhow, had that problem. Anyhow, God moved and he brought her out again from death itself. And she had this story to tell. I'm telling you, we must not let these things die and never be remembered anymore. We need to put it down in a book of remembrance. Those things that God would do. As I began to study, the Lord began to deal with me. And I began to think, Sister McGee Jr., of some things that were endangered, I believe, in our world today and even in our generation. I began to think about it. And one of the things that come to me, one of the first things that came to me that is endangered is the Word of God. It's been translated so many times and every translation takes away from the true meaning of the Word of God. And now as you go across America, almost every church is using a different, come on, a different translation. But I'm telling you, the oldest is the closest. Come on, church, because as it comes up through, we're living in generations that don't look to God no more. In fact, they don't even want in God we trust on the money. They don't want it in the White House. They don't want it in the courthouse. They don't want it any place. They don't want it in the schools. They do not want this thing. Hallelujah. Even churches don't even want it in their midst. They want Pentecostal. Take it away from their name and let just our earthly name be put in. Mm, glory. They want apostolic on there because that won't draw anybody when you put apostolic on there. And that's right. But when you get apostolic power on the inside, it'll draw people. When you get a move of God on the inside of your heart, it'll bring people through the doors because there's power in it. Woo! Yes, sir. Glory. If we're going to be ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of us. I want apostolic on our side. I want him to know what I am. A lot of people don't even know how to spell it. They don't know how to say it. And they say, what does it mean? That means I preach and I believe exactly what the apostles preach. Honey, I'm a straight line Pentecostal from the very beginning. I'm not ashamed of that. There's power and authority in that. There's healing. There's miracles. There's signs in it. Oh, I don't want the water, the watered down word. I don't want the changed version. Give me the old time religion. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 
chapter number 34, 14 and 15, when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Second Chronicles, drop on down to verse number 18. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Oh, glory. Drop on down to verse number 21. After he had heard this, he said, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for them that are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all, everybody said all, that is written in this book. I want you to notice where it was found. It was found in the house of God. What it would be, what a terrible thing it would be, amen, for the house of God to have something in it that was written there for us. Come on. And it hadn't been visited in so long that the house of God had become a rumble. It had been torn up and torn down. And nobody had been in it to even search out the house of God to see if they could find anything that resembled the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm worried in our generation. I hope we don't lose what we've got in this house. That people have to come in and hunt for something to remind them of First Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Be a sad thing to lose the Word of God in the house of the Lord. Can you imagine losing the Word of God in the house of the Lord? Yet it happened. And if it happened in that day, it can happen in our day. In fact, a many a church has lost the word of God. We go through a program. We've got responsive reading. You read and I read and then nobody knows what it means. I'm sorry, but this, come on, I, I, I know. We might as well come down to it, church. We're living in a day where the word of God is at stake. It's endangered. And I don't know about you, but I want to hold up the Word of God. I would hate to think that we could be the cause of the ones after us not keeping the Word. The Word all in that verse 21 bothers me. I would think, like to think, that we're preaching the whole Word of God. Come on. To do after all that is written in the book. Come on. I don't want to just preach a part of the book. But I want to receive it all. There is a lot of churches that are preaching a part of the book. But they don't have a full truth. You and I, come on. We've got the truth and we need to voice it. Come on. Oh, 
Oh, come on, church. Somebody needs to get excited with me. We need to voice this thing in this city and let it be spread to the 32 churches in this city. They need the whole Word of God. Every bit of it from page to page, back and front. We need it. Glory. How are you going to live it if you don't have it and can't find it? We know the word is endangered. Amos said it like this in Amos 8, verse number 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing the words of the Lord. A famine in the land of hearing the words of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, I began to worry. Are we there? I know we're hearing it in this church. But I'm worried. Come on. It can be preached in this church and people not hear it because they're not here. That's why it's important that we come every service because God has got something to say to you. Oh, I worry, Brother Mason, when I think about that God is preparing for us before we ever get to this church. Come on, the presence of God took up residence here when we moved to this church. Come on, He has, he has said it in messages, interpretations, and tongues that He has taken up residence in this place. And I know that many times we have said, you know, well, whoever's here tonight, that's who's supposed to be here. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, but I don't agree with that. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe our Lord, before people ever get here, He's walking these floors, and He's deciding, Brother Terry, what He wants to happen in this service tonight. Before it ever happens, the Lord has drawn up and wants what He's got down, an order of what He wants to happen. I know some of you don't believe that, but I'm going to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, Brother Terry, that there has been people that has missed church, and God has had their name on a blessing. I answered a prayer and they've missed it because they stayed home at one year. Because every time the church doors is open, it is our responsibility to be there unless we're sick or can't get there. Come on, church. This is the house of God. This is where we come and receive the word. How can you hear if you're not here? I hope I'm trying to preach this with the right spirit when the anointing's on I can't help it I'm sorry I'm going to let it go but if I didn't care I wouldn't be preaching it but I want you all to be able to lay up some manna in your ark I want the next generation to open this up and find something that will encourage them and strengthen them. So, well, I didn't know about that. So it might make them seek after that. 
Oh, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. A hearing of the word is at stake. The word of God is endangered. It's going to be a famine of the word of God. That don't mean that pastor won't preach it. That don't mean that Brother Mason won't preach it. What it says is that nobody will hear it. There's going to be a famine of the word because their ears didn't open. Even though they sat in the house time after time, they didn't hear a word. They didn't hear nothing was going on. They didn't get involved in it. God, I'm... Oh, Jesus. How can I preach it, Lord? There's a famine of the hearing. Oh, Jesus. Number two thing that I feel like is endangered is godliness. Now, I'm going to tell you what that means. What godliness is, is the whole. Everybody said the whole. W-H-O-L-E. Whole. The whole of true worship and devotion unto God. That's what, that's what godliness is. It's the whole of true worship and devotion unto God. There's a difference in me just getting up here and jumping. And there really be something behind that jump. I remember a tri-state rally. Santa Claus, Indiana, back many years ago. I can remember. Can't even remember his name now. Ball-headed minister from Bloomington. Sister McGee might help me directly. I don't know. Bloomington. Indiana. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? He got up and he made this statement. He said, you know, I feel like we need to worship in here tonight. And he said, in fact, I feel like we need to sing that song. If you want joy, you got to jump for it. Come on. And he began to sing that song. And he said, when it comes to the word jump, I want everybody in here to jump. And he said, I'm going to tell you, as we sing this song through, you know, clap your hands, you know. You know, you got to clap for it. You got to jump for it. You got to leap for it. You got to do all these things for joy. He said, every time it comes to one of those words, and it says jump for joy, he said, I want you to jump. And he began to go through that song. And he said, I'm going to tell you, the first time or two you do that, you're probably not going to feel it. But he said, about the second, about the third or the fourth or the fifth time you do it, you're going to start feeling it. That night before that service was over, God took over. And everybody in that church went ecstatic. And everybody was jumping and shouting and praising God. You know why? From obedience to a word. A man of God that spoke. And God... Come on, church, if we only knew what it was to obey our pastor and do what he says, he's a man of God, and God is speaking through him. We better do what he says. I would hate to think that we would lose it. Amen? How many wants to lose worship? already lost some of it. It's not as prevalent as it used to be. I've noticed it. And God began to deal with me this week. 
Oh, I'm, I, I know I'm meddling. I can feel it. It's all right. It'll bounce back and hit me right in the nose, and that's all right. I'm, I've been here before, and it don't bother me. It don't keep me from preaching. Brother Mason, I love it when you and Sister Mason get up there and sing those songs, and the glory of the Lord comes down and fills this place, and people are jumping and shouting. I'm tickled to death. But you know what I'm more tickled about? Is when, Brother Mason, you get behind the pulpit and those same people that was jumping and shouting during the song, I want to see them shout to the Word of God. We need to hear and listen to the Word of God. I want to see you worship while the preacher's preaching. I want to hear you worship when the bishop is preaching. I need to give it all I got. I don't, it's no time to sit down. It's time to stand up and be counted for the name of Jesus. My daddy was a worshiper, so I'm a worshiper. My mama was a worshiper, so I'm a worshiper. Brother Freddie seen it firsthand down in the first church, a second pew on this side. Mama used to sit there every time. Well, she stood there every time. I don't think she's ever seated, only when the preacher's preaching. She's up half the time then. But when she was standing there, she was stomping. Guess what? When we took the carpet up, there's a hole in the floor. It was right there where Mama used to stomp the devil. She used to say, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. Every time she'd do it, she's stomping. Come on, I'm talking about real worship. If you can, come on, if you can sit someplace or stand someplace long enough to bust a hole in the floor, you're a real worshiper. Most of us give him a little patty cake. We, you know, we pat our foot, but she stomped him. We need to stomp the devil out of this place. We need to get him out of here. He don't belong in this house. There's no place for him in this house. I'm praying against the devil and all of his imps. I want them all out of here. Glory. Third thing that is endangered in our day, is holiness. Note, note this. I don't want you to get a wrong idea. Well, we know where bishop's going. No, you don't. But you just listen to me. Outward appearance is meaningless without inner power. You hear me? I said outward appearance is meaningless without inner power. If you don't have anything on the inside, it don't matter whether you worship outside or not. But if you've got something on the inside, it'll come to the outside. It'll show through. It'll do something to your flesh. It'll give strength where there is no strength. Holiness without which no man shall see God. I'm worried about holiness. I'm worried about the inner power 
that makes out the outward appearance. We're endangered. We're endangered. Number four thing that is endangered in our generation is prayer. I've been to churches where there is no prayer before church. They all get there on time, they start service. How can you ever start service without prayer? We have men's prayer at 5 o'clock every Sunday evening. Ladies, they have their prayer. They pray in there. But every other time, we always have prayer for church. We come on the prayer rooms over here, and Wednesday night, we go join the prayer room. Ladies and men alike, we, we have prayer. On Sunday, men, before we have service on Sunday night, pastor calls us all together, anybody that's going to be used on the platform or for singing or anything in the service. And we have prayer before church after we've had our men's prayer meeting, Brother Terry. We gather hands and we pray for direction of God, pray for anointing to fall in this place. Come on. I don't know about you, but I can remember the times in the past when I, I told, I, I, I don't know, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Me and Brother Freddie, I was talking to him before church. And, and I, I told him, I said, you know, brother, I began to worry this morning because at 10 minutes before 10, there was nobody sitting on the seat hardly. And I thought, are they going to make it? And Lord, behold, everybody come in the last minute. I know they didn't have time but to whisper a prayer. It's getting quiet now. Must have hit a few of you that's sitting here. I'm worried because prayer is endangered in our generation. It's easy to not pray. It don't take no gumption to pray. Anybody can pray. It's, you know. But there's work to it and not many people want to work. It's getting quite. It's all right. I'm going to unloosen the string in a minute. Maybe tight, but I'll unloosen the string by the help of the Lord. Because he gave me this message, and I know it's going to go. Come on. We need to get back to prayer. I told Sister McGee, I said, Sister McGee, we didn't have to worry about. And I think I might even said it to Brother Freddie, I'm not sure. But we didn't have to worry about before church whether there's going to be church or not. Because we could drive up in church in 45 minutes before. And there's already people praying. Because we prayed an hour before up to church time. Tell me we haven't lost the church. You know what? We go back and get a five-minute prayer and come out and visit. For 55 minutes. Oh, I wonder what it'd be like if we'd really grab a hold of real prayer and pray for a whole hour before church. I'm going to tell you what had happened. We'd start seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. Follow them that believe. Pastor, I picked up two of my old planner books yesterday and began to flip through them 94 and 95 and it was for a reason that I was doing it guess what I almost found the same thing that I'm finding right now in our church sickness 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 
It was attack upon the ministry. I'm not gonna, you all have heard this too many times, so I'm not going to, I'm just going to just kind of skim over it real quick because there's a story with every one of them. Now, if you're wondering what I'm going to put in my ark, this is part of what I'm going to put in my ark because I carry it in my planner. You all probably didn't know this, but, you know, anybody that's ever picked up my planner and start thumbing through it, you'll find it. Notable miracles in my life. Between three and four years old, rheumatic heart, scarlet fever together. We lived five miles below Kingsburg, down next to the river. I'd had fever now for, I don't even know how long, several days, real high fever. It got so bad that Mama went out to the neighbors and she called the ambulance to come and get me. She didn't think I was going to make it. Eyes done rolled back of my head. She thought I was a goner. My fever had just been out of sight. Couldn't bring it down. Nothing. There was no cure for that stuff back in those days. It was, it was not. If you got that, you was in bad shape. Wasn't like today. You get a shot and go on your way and hardly any effects. But I'm telling you, they were effects. Mama didn't know God. Hallelujah. But in the hospital when she was afraid she was going to lose me. There was an evangelist that come through and prayed for me. And mama gave her heart to God. And she promised God. She said, Lord, if you will heal my son, I'll serve you the rest of my life. I'm here tonight standing before you because of my mama's prayers. Mama carried through her part. And God healed me. Number one miracle. Number two miracle. Now, here we go. March 22nd, 1994, kidney stones. I battled infections to 1979 after that. Anytime I would drink anything other than water and cranberry juice, my kidneys would hurt so bad that I couldn't stand it. If I drink a pop, the next day I was hurting. I battled it till 1979, and God healed me. And I have... 1994... What did I say? Okay, 97, God healed me. 1994, I, I battled from 1994 to 1997. In 1997, after I quit my job, God healed me. And I've never had kidney stones, never had none of the hurting. None of it's ever returned to this day. Number two, miracle. Number three, miracle. Here we go. January the 21st, 1995. Here we go, 94, 95. If you look through 94, 95, my planner, you'll find things after things, and God healed, and God moved. Even in the midst of all the sickness and all the troubles, it wasn't only me going through things. Some people at church were going through things. My triglycerides were 1,187. I didn't hardly have a, a, enough energy to get out of my bed and go to work, but I went to work every day. Hallelujah. Make a long story short, Kenny Carpenter was it. At South Gibson Apostolic Church holding revival on Thursday night. My wife and I went and he preached only, it's only a test. And I felt that kind of speak to me. And the next night I'd come home from work that evening and I hit the couch and I wasn't able to get up. Sister McGee went and she told Brother Carpenter about it that night. And he said, Sister McGee, you go home and tell Brother McGee there is a miracle on the way. 
Come on. The Monday, I had four-hour tests at the hospital. I felt, on, I felt that God had already healed me even on that Saturday when I had went to work or on that Saturday. Yeah, I worked a weekend. I felt it on Saturday that God had healed me. Amen. I went back. We went through the test for our test. They sent me home. The next day my doctor called and he said, I don't understand what happened. I don't know why it was high and now it's not. But you do on just what you people was doing because it was all right today. Come on, church. I said God is just the same. There are some things we need to write down. It's manna for the next generation. That was number three miracle. Number four miracle. Had a right hand that was burnt. Deep second degree burn mowing lawn. The first church. Brother Sutton. Brother Sutton had a grease bar in his kitchen in a in a skillet and he got really excited probably his blood pressure he got really excited kind of just lost it for a little bit I was mowing the lawn I seen the flames to the ceiling I run off we got off of it and I went over and he had a great big old towel and I wrapped that around my hand went in I grabbed a hold of that skillet and went to the door but when I did he was standing in the door so it got me and him both it got on my hand it got on his leg Tell you a long story, just to make a long story short, because it'd take a long time to tell you the whole story. But the truth is, God healed that hand. I can hold them out to you right now. You'll never be able to tell which one it was. The very day, I'm going to tell you, burns is painful. But as soon as I got burnt, when we got in our car and started for Mount Carmel Hospital, my wife and me grabbed hands. And we prayed for the pain to leave. And I never did ever have one pain through that burn. Amen. Never did have one pain. Come on. Was taken off work. Went back to work on, that was July the 15th. Went back to work on August the 8th. Hands good. Come on. It was my right hand. It was my good hand. The one I use all the time. Doctor said you better wear a glove. You get sunburned. I never wear gloves. Come on church. I'm telling you about what God does. He's still real. Glory. Fifth, fourth miracle, fifth miracle. Place on my heel. Would not, would not leave. I remember as uh, Norman Miller was in the hospital. And we was going back and forth with back surgery and back surgery again. He had to have two back surgeries. I remember going to, going, went I-64 one morning, went down Route 1, took I-64, that right heel, it was on my right one, it was hurting so bad that I couldn't hardly sit in the car, I took it off, amen, got rid of it, turned on my cruise control, it was raining, I couldn't hardly handle the pain, it was so much. I remember just a few weeks after that, it had been already there for a year, we went to my daughter, Sister Roberta's house. Brother Jerry was working, went in there, and I told my wife, and I told her at that time, if God don't do something with this, I'm going to have to go get it cut out or something's got to happen. Guess what? Within a week, it was gone. It's gone. Come on, I'm, not talk I'm talking about miracles, church. You want to see miracles? You're going to have to get busy in prayer. You're going to have to get busy in worship. You're going to have to give him everything you've got. Number six, miracle. 
middle church, my hearing, I don't know, it just kind of closed up on me, and I couldn't hear it for several days. Went to church on a Sunday morning. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to preach this morning. There wasn't nobody else to preach, so I got to preach. Too late to call Brother Mason on Sunday morning. I got up. He'd have done it. I got up to preach that morning. It sounded like I was down the barrel. About halfway through the message. My ears come open. They've never been plugged up like that again. Never. Come on. I'm telling you about it. What are you going to do, Brother McGee? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You know what was in that? You know what was in this, don't you? Pastor, get Hebrews 9 and I believe it's verse 4. It might even be up there. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Read. There's the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded at the tables of the covenant. He laid something up there. I know this is a small rod, but... An Aaron rod that budded. Had a pot of manna. Had the two tables of stone with the Ten Commandments written on it. I'm asking you tonight, what are you going to lay up? You know what? If I could put that planter in there. One of these days, somebody's going to pull that out and see all the miracles that come to Bishop by the hand of the Lord. Glory. I'm worried about our day. I'm worried about our prayer. Mark eleven seventeen, And he taught, saying unto them, It is not written, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. If this is a house of prayer, when we come through the doors, why should we not pray? Give me one good reason. If we're going to call this the house of prayer, why we shouldn't pray? I'm going to go through these very quick. I'm too much too long now. The fifth thing that is endangered, I believe, is the songs of my generation. I'm glad when pastors start singing one of those old songs. Mark my words. They will be a generation that will come along. And the songs that we are singing right now, Brother Mason, will be endangered also. Are we going to let that happen? Are we going to keep something in store for our children? Because now we're living in a generation, even some of our young people that's come in since we've been in town, that when Bishop sings songs, man, I've never heard that before. You know what? 
there is a time that there needs to be rehearsing in the ears some things. We better get them planted good on the inside. And, I, and I'm not kidding you. There's some of them that I look at now back over, and I sit down with that book, and Sister McGee, there's some of them that I have forgot the tune to. Trying to remember. Brother Mason will admit to you, I'm not sure it's been too long since I played it. I'm not sure I can play it. Come on, church, I know he can, but he's just saying, no, it's a figure of speech. But you do, you forget how they go. Come on, mark my words, it's endangered. Do we need, this, God began to speak to me. Do we need to make a time capsule and put a King James version and an old songbook in it and say, just so you know what happened in our generation, we did have the King James. Come on. We preached out of this gospel that was way back in 1611. Come on. Yeah. And we still accept that. Come on. I still accept that word. And this is our songbook, Brother Terry. This is our songbook when we was a child that we sung these songs and people were filled with the Holy Ghost and moved by the Holy Ghost. Glory. David pleads before the Lord in Psalm 71 and 18. He said, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. Until, now listen, everybody said until. I have shewed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. He said, until I voice this to my generation and far beyond, Lord. Oh God, while I'm gray Come on. If I'm gray-headed, Lord, don't forsake me. Not until I've brought it to pass. Not until I've sung the song. Not until I've preached the word. Not until they've seen the strength, Lord. Your strength that works through me. Psalms 145 and 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare the mighty acts. In other words, what we ought to be right doing right now is shout it so loud that the next generation after us hears it. Let it be voiced until it's in their mind. Come on. Till it's in their spirit that they get up with a song in their heart. Come on. Come on. That they know the word of God because they have read it. They have memorized it. That's all right. Let them memorize it. Come on. Isaiah 53 and 8. Question. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off at the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Who's going to declare this generation? If we don't, I have watched apostolic churches move into Mount Carmel and move out. I began to proclaim yesterday as I was in my office at God, you have put First Apostolic Church here to stay. We are not moving. Brother Freddie, I declared to the devil, we are not closing up for you. We are going to win Mount Carmel. But it's going to take prayer. It's going to take worship and praise. We cannot slow down. We cannot quit. We've got to keep on doing it. 
Hallelujah. I'm sorry I'm holding you long. This is our job. 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto this marvelous light. I'm quickly going. The generation we're living in right now. If this don't explain the generation, then I'm crazy. Jeremiah 2.31. O generation, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel? A land of darkness? Whereof say, my people, we are lords. We will come no more unto thee. New, come on, new age movement. It was back then. It is right now. I don't know about you, but the word of God is endangered. Proverbs 30, 11 and 12. It's our generation again. There is a generation that curseth their father and doeth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and is not yet washed from their filthiness. If I don't speak of our generation, I'm crazy. Proverbs 30 and verse number 14. There is a generation whose teeth are swords, their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men. You know where they're wanting to cut? They're wanting to cut the elders. Especially those in the nursing home. You know why? Because they don't feel like there are any value to community. So let's just give them a mercy shot and do away with them. I'm sorry. That's where we're headed, church. They're doing it already overseas in a lot of countries. Next thing you know, they're going to be doing it here. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of this group. Psalms 112, verse number 2. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. I'm going to read one scripture, and I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm closing. In fact, I'll just let Pastor read it. Luke eleven twenty eight. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. I'm going to ask you a question, Brother Mason, you can come. The commandments was put in there. The manna was put in there. Aaron's rod was the budded, was put in there. For safekeeping so the next generation could see it. Now I'm asking you tonight when you, while you stand. What are you going to preserve for your generation?
I want to stir up your thinking. What are you going to preserve? What would you put in the ark? I wonder if we'd make a time capsule and say we're going to dig this up in 10 years. I wonder if I could get some of you to say that I'm still going to be a worshiper and I'm still going to be serving God 10 years down the road. I wonder how many of you that maybe aren't where you should be right now say, I'm going to be real. Ten years from now, the things that are in my life that shouldn't be there are going to be gone, and I'm going to be serving God. If I can't be used now, I'm going to be used before then. God's going to use me in a great and a mighty way. I'm going to be something special for Christ. I wonder if you'd be afraid to write your name on the line as a promise and I wonder what it'd look like if we dug it up 10 years later I wonder if you I'm even wondering about some of you now that are Christians right now could you write that I'm still going to be a worshiper and still going to be a Christian I wonder what it would look like 10 years from now I wonder about you that's kind of almost slipped away that you know you aren't where you should be. Could you put in that time capsule of 10 years that I'm giving my heart back to God? If you couldn't write that down, then you better come to the altar tonight because we don't have no promise of tomorrow. We're an endangered species, church. We're the apostolic movement. The world would call us the occult. Just look on the internet. They'll show you where we're at. Yet they're the ones that don't believe in God. They're gods themselves. They can do what they want to do. They're gods. Whatever I think, I can do it. My Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. My strength comes from Him. What are you going to put in your time capsule? What are you going to put? What kind of manna are you going to put in the ark that the next generation could open it up and say, my and I'd like to live back in Brother and Sister Mason's day. Woo! Seen all that stuff happen? Good sakes. Miracles of. Woo! A lady healed of cirrhosis of the liver? Yeah. Even prayer band, we've seen miracles happen. The prayer band has been called. People's been taken to the hospital. Gonna do emergency surgery. And after prayer. They sent back home. Come on, church. Come on. What are you going to put in your time capsule? What's going to be the manna you're going to save for the next generation? Are you going to be able to tell your kids, I've seen miracles? Are we going to leave this all up to the kids to spread the word of God?
when Brother Landon has to spread the Word of God at school, that he, he thinks so great because he's learned his memory verse, he tells it to everybody. He tells it to a little boy he's been trying to get here to church and told mom, says, I don't know what else to do about it. I don't know how else to get him here. Thank God for Landon's. He prays for grandmas and grandpas. When anybody gets sick in his family, he prays for. Glory. I thank God for Landon. Glory. He knows the pledge allegiance of the flag. He knows the one part, one nation under God. Teacher says, my, you know that awful well. He says, it's because it's got God in it. Said, you go to church? He said, I go to the best church in town. Come on. Is it going to take our kids, come on, to worship? Is it going to take our kids to spread the gospel and witness in our place because we haven't got enough backbone to do it ourselves? What are you going to put in your time capsule? What's going to be your man? The altar's open tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.